0: The Bible says, those with a broken and contrite spirit come to me. That's who God hears, not the proud and the haughty, those that are broken. We need to be broken for the lost. I hope you don't mind that I share this this morning, but this is such a, a burden on me. I can't tell you the fire that burns in me for the lost. You know, I've, I've spent too many Sundays requesting prayer for my children when I should have spent a lot of time during the week on my knees for my children. Yeah, I pray for my kids every day. I wake up and I say a little short prayer. But I'm talking about travailing in prayer for your children. Do you really love them? Then you've got to do more than just ask them for a prayer request on Sunday morning. Y'all have to excuse me. I'm going to preach my heart this morning. Go ahead and go to the first side, Alex. 1 Peter 2, verse 5. It says, "Coming." Uh, let me just read the whole thing from here. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by man, But chosen by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Listen, Listen, there's a sacrifice involved in this. We want to play church and we want to have programs, and we want to be happy. oh, let's see what the youth is going to do. Listen, there's a sacrifice involved in following Jesus Christ. We want a cheap Pentecost these days that don't cost. I'm liable to preach this morning. In Ephesians 2, verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. What a privilege. Father God, I thank you for your word this morning. I pray that you anoint your servant to speak and anoint the ears to hear and prepare the hearts to receive in the mighty name of Jesus we talk a lot about the the church and when you know when i say the church i'm not just talking about this church i'm talking about the church at large in america today i want you to look at where it's fallen from in the last what even in the last 8 years look at where it's fallen the church used to have a stand in this country. This country was, was founded on the church. I don't care what they tell you. It was founded on Christian principles by Christian men. It's ungodly as anything I've seen today. We talk a lot about the church and the body of Christ, and we should. We talk. Listen, you hear people talking about revival all the time, don't you? And we talk about the house of God stirring up sinners to salvation. But I want to remind you this. The church is just a body made up of many members. Just as a body has many bones, just as a wall has many stones, just as an army is made up of many soldiers. So what's your point, preacher? The point I'm trying to make is this. The body can only be revived as its individual members are revived. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this. The Bible calls us living stones, which means what? That means stones that are alive or stones with life in them. Revival comes only as individual stones are set on fire. You see, you can't have church just because the preacher's on fire. You got to have church members that are on fire. You got to have people sitting in the pew that are on fire. Otherwise, nothing changes. We just keep coming here on Sunday morning asking for prayer for our loved ones. We need to be set on fire. I believe that there is a spirit of revival in the land. I believe people are looking for something today. I honestly believe it. Do y'all see it? I, I see it on Facebook. People are frightened and they're uncertain. People are scared. And they don't know which way to turn. That's our duty and our responsibility to point them to Jesus Christ. He's the only answer. Let me tell you something. If we have an election in 2016, it doesn't matter who takes office. Because the only help for America, it comes from Jesus Christ. There's no man going to fix this thing. I pray we get a godly man. If the Lord tarries that long. I believe the wind of God and the breath of God or the Holy Ghost is moving today just like he did on the day of Pentecost. He's not changed. Those people, the Bible said, was set on fire. 120 people in the upper room. And the Holy Spirit came down as clothes of fire and set on each man. How I would love to stand up here and see all y'all's heads on fire. Seriously. On fire with the Holy Ghost. What difference could we make in Chico, Texas, in Wise County, if we were all on fire? The Bible calls us ministers of fire, doesn't it? I believe God is going to raise up an army of blood-washed, Holy Ghost-filled, fire-baptized, Bible-thumping, pew-jumping, aisle-running, tongue-talking, sin-hating, uh, uh, an army of believers that are ready to serve Christ with, with no embarrassment. Oh, we can't do that. That's embarrassing. we got to have proper church. What's proper church? I want to have a church on fire. I want to have people ready to do anything for God and not afraid and not ashamed and somebody who will step out and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation. A mighty army. But just like an army, it consists of many soldiers and the wall consists of many stones so is a body filled of many members and many bones. Revival must be personal. It must come to us as individuals. If we want to see sinners saved and our communities changed, it must come to us if we want to see our family members that we ask for prayer in church with us. Listen, I'm the same. I got two boys. I'm so concerned with them. I cry for them. I moan for them. I groan for them. I'm in anguish for them. Because if Jesus comes tomorrow, they're probably not going to make the trip on the good old gospel ship. I'm going. And I pray that they go. I'm in anguish about it. It must come to us as individuals. We must devote our time to prayer and repentance. Well, I repented once. I'm talking about you better be repenting every day. I told somebody the other day, I said, I repent every morning and every night whether I need it or not. Because you may commit some sin you don't even know you committed. You might hurt some brother or sister in Christ and have no idea that you did it. It's sin. We need to pray and repent for ourselves as individuals and for our nation and for sinners everywhere. Well, pastor, you can't repent for somebody else. You can pray a prayer of repentance for others. Did Jesus say, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do?" Did he say that? Ezekiel chapter 37 is about revival. I've preached on this subject several times. One of my favorite stories, the dry bones that that he that he saw. And the dry bones. And the Lord said, prophesy to these bones. Prophesy to these dry bones. What's prophecy? It's saying the word of the Lord. Isn't it? To prophesy to these dry bones. And the Bible says, you know the story. The Bible says he did. And the end result was an army being raised up to fight the Lord's battles. Remember the story? It's a great story. You should read it. Before there was an army in Ezekiel's boneyard, there was just a valley full of dry bones. The point is this. Every individual bone, each and every piece, had to have a personal revival to be fitted together to form that army. Read about it. Each and every individual piece, the Bible says, they began to shake and quake and they started coming together. Dry bones. the fire of God, the supernatural power of God got into each and every one of those individual bones and they each began to shake and move by the power of God. And as they shaked and moved, the Bible tells us they began to come together and they begin to take shape and begin to take form. And as the bones came together after they came together, then the, the Bible says sinews, the, the tissue began to form. But each piece... This piece, that piece, your breast, your rib, it all had to have a personal shaking. We come together with the desire to have a divine visitation at church. We come here because we know we can be with God here. But I tell you, you can be with God wherever you are. You don't have to be at church. I want you to be at church. This is the filling station. But you can be at God with God wherever you are. Because you know why? You carry him. God's here because we bring him here. He's not sitting around in, in, in an empty building during the week. Saying, oh, I hope my kids come today. He's here because we bring him here. The only way to have revival is to become revival. In other words, every bone must commit to the process and the product of personal revival. We need personal revivals. We want our church to do well and have the glory of God manifested in here. Then we need to revive ourselves. And it's going to take a shaking of each and every one of us. God gave me a word when I was in my prayer time last week. And he told me this, your nation's about to be shaken. And he said, only those who have a true relationship with me and those who do the will of God will be left standing. Thus saith the Lord. It's coming, church, and the people who are namby-pamby and are half in, they're not going to make it. It's going to require something of us, church. The church is only as alive as the living stones that make up the wall are alive. The church is only alive as individual members that make up the body are alive. The first thing in our pursuit of revival we must decide is this. We must commit ourselves personally to the process. The old timers used to sing a song, it's not my brothers, it's not my sisters, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in need of prayer. We may all come together and shout and praise God and have a good time in the house of God, and I love that. But if every bone gets on fire, you'll carry it with you everywhere you go. Listen to me. Revival produces Corporate revival. Let me repeat that. Personal revival produces corporate revival. And that produces lost souls coming to Christ. I need to warn you though. That true Bible revival isn't just about jumping up and down, shouting and talking in tongues. Well, we we love us some, well, we're Pentecost. We love that kind of stuff. That's not what it's all about. I've seen people shouting and jumping up and down on Sunday and talking in tongues on Sunday, and then Monday you couldn't tell the difference in them in the world. Seen it more than once, more than I care to. True Bible revival is more than just the Holy Spirit coming to give you a jump start. Or uh, us older people, we sometimes we might need a, a spiritual geritol. Amen. True revival is getting back to the foundation of our faith. True revival always, always, always begins with repentance. Always begins with repentance. You can measure the success of true revival by the depth of repentance. Listen, people have revivals all the time. I've been to some of them. You can't have a revival just because you decide on uh, August the 15th through the 18th we're going to have revival. And you make posters and you put them all up. That's not true revival. True revival begins with the people. And something starts sweeping over the people. And pretty soon people are laying at the altar crying and repenting. That's how revival starts. God ain't got a time schedule. He's got all the time in the world. We need to get back to the foundation of our faith, church. And I always, when I when I think of that, I think of those hundred and twenty in that upper room in Pentecost on the day of Pentecost. That began the faith that we follow today. You say, well, preacher, the the disciples were, yes, they were around, but where was they? They was huddled up in an upper room, scared to death, saying, I wonder what Jesus was talking about when he told us to tarry up in here. But once the Holy Ghost got a hold of them, the Bible says that Peter came down out of that upper room where all those people were looking for him. Don't forget. Those people were looking for them. They wanted to kill them too. But Peter came down out and came into the busy streets of Jerusalem and began to preach to them under the unction and the anointing of the Holy Ghost because he had been baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. And the Bible says 3,000 souls were added to the roll. And he didn't pull any punches. You need to read it in Acts 2. He didn't soft talk it. He didn't give them a prosperity doctrine. He told them they were a bunch of murderers. And the Bible says that they rent their clothes because they were sorry. There's another guy in Acts. I think it's chapter 6. I don't, But a guy named Stephen. He gave them the full gospel message. He was very gentle. Because you don't want to offend somebody. You know what they did with him? They drug him out and stoned him to death. You see, these are the two responses you will get when you give the gospel message to someone. Either they will be sorrowful and they'll say like those men did on that day of Pentecost what must we do to be saved or they'll do like Stephen they'll drag you out and want to stone you let me tell you something you know what Peter said when they asked him what must they do to be saved the first word out of his mouth repent repent we don't like to talk about repenting today not popular preacher A.W. Tozer, I don't know if y'all are familiar with him. He said this, the blessings follow the plow. In other words, God's blessings come from where the word of God is allowed to penetrate the heart and to plow up the soil and root out that which is offensive to the Holy Spirit. Look, you don't want to quench the Spirit. We say that all the time and we use it in a certain way. Well, that pastor needs to let the Holy Ghost talk, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm talking about you as an individual quenching the Holy Spirit of God. When you do things that are offensive to the Holy Ghost, you're quenching the Spirit of God. Hosea 10, 12. Can't read it. It says it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and rains righteousness upon you. What time is it, preacher? It's time to seek the Lord. It's past time for us to seek the Lord. I got a burning in my bones to seek the Lord. I can't just sit there and request prayer for somebody that, that, I, don't spend, that I don't think is worthy enough for me to spend some time in prayer. I can't say God bless America if I'm not willing to hit my knees and repent out for America and say, God, please forgive them for they know not what they do. Repentance is a word you won't hear much in churches today. Not popular. It's not good to to tell people that they're sinners and they need God. It's not even good to tell Christians that they need to repent. Not popular. You want to clear out a church? Start talking about repentance. Start talking about holiness. Start talking about sanctification. That'll clear a church in a heartbeat. Well, preacher, we need some people to come and sit in the pews and Jesus said, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart's not in it. There's all across America today that that's happening. People are going through some form of worship, but it's not godly. The Bible says you've got to worship in spirit and in truth. And people are singing songs that they've memorized the words to for years and years. But there's no worship in them. There's no repentance in them. They aren't really sorry that they did something. Let me tell you something. When you offend the Holy Spirit and you offend God, it should give you such godly sorrow that you fall on your knees and you cry out to God and say, God, I'm so sorry. I need to... Thank you, I will. Thanks to Alex getting my signs back out. (laughs) Y'all get too quiet. I know this is a serious subject. But I'm telling you, as a born-again Christian, this is your duty and your responsibility. It's not just a matter of repeating a sinner's prayer and then putting it on cruise control. John the Baptist's message was what? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus' message was what? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That should be our message today, church. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The apostle's message was in Acts 3.19. What does it say in Acts 3.19? I'm glad you asked. Repent, ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing have come from the presence of the Lord. Repent and be converted. Everything starts with repentance, church. You can't have a personal revival unless you have repentance involved. I don't know about y'all, but I'm not perfect. I get mad when I drive. I have to repent when I drive over here sometimes. Because i 1810. And that uh, old codger that don't know where the gas pedal is on this truck. That's Rhonda keeps me in check. <laughs> Yeah. Listen. The Bible says times of refreshing shall come. Refreshing. Revival follows repentance. Not a single great revival ever burst out before people repented and travailed before God. You got to understand that. Y'all know about asuzu, And you know what happened there. But what you don't know maybe is that they repented and travailed in prayer for days and days before it ever happened. Y'all heard about the Brownsville revival? Did you hear about all the church people at that church that came together for days and days and days that repented and prayed for their nation before that revival broke out? Every great revival requires some sacrifice. From the saints of God. What did Jesus tell the disciples when they tried to cast out a demon? You can only do this by prayer and fasting. Do we pray enough? Are you concerned about our nation? Then repent for it in prayer. I want to show y'all something. I've used this several times. Second Chronicles seven Y'all know that. I know it by heart. If my people, which are called by my name, by the way, you're called Christians, so you're called by his name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. There is not a better scripture to describe our nation right now. I've decided to devote myself to prayer for a certain amount of time every day. And when I say that, because I was talking to Ron, I said, you know, I pray all the time. And I do. Throughout the day, there'll be things happen. Oh, Lord, forgive me for that. Or, oh, Lord, please bless brother so-and-so. I remember because he needs something. But... I'm talking about a serious prayer where you get alone with God and you spend some time with the Most High. Listen to me. He'll talk to you if you'll do it. I know it for a fact. Every time I've done it this week, God has given me some revelation or some word. Every time. Besides that, I love my kids enough to devote 15 or 20 minutes a day to them, to to pray for them. And I love my country enough to devote 15 or 20 minutes a day to pray to them. The first step, according to this, the first step to personal revival is to humble ourselves and pray. What about humbling ourselves? That's pretty hard to do. You say, well, that's easy for me, Pat. No, it's not. It's not easy for anybody to humble themselves. You say, well, preacher, I've got a humble spirit. Do you? you just you, That's prideful when you said it. Amen? The first step is to humble ourselves and pray, and the first step for restoration of our nation is to repent of it. One of the greatest sins of the American church today is the sin of prayerlessness. Watch well, yeah, John, I'm going to start preaching now. We just had a bad drought here that was just ended this year. So, well, it wasn't, yeah, it was a bad drought. We weren't really that affected, except if you lived out on Lake Bridgeport or if you had a boat and couldn't put it in water that you had to sell but there was a great drought in Wise County the greatest drought in the church is not for rain it's for tears we have a drought of tears in the church we have a drought Of dry eyes. We're in the grips. Of a drought of dry eyes. I'm not surprised at the lack of power in the church. You know why? A prayerless church is a powerless church. And a prayerless person. Is a powerless person. Watch out. I didn't get too many of these on that. Our drought was ended this year by a massive amount of rain. Thank God. Can the physical represent the spiritual? Can it? Can the spirit rain? A steam engine is powered by steam. A gas engine is powered by gas. An electric engine is powered by electricity. And the church is powered by prayer. In a lot of churches today, the only prayer you might even hear is a short opening prayer and then a short dismissal prayer. God said, my house shall be called of all nations a house of prayer. He didn't say my house is going to be called a house of uh, bright lights and fancy music and and rock music. He didn't say my house is going to be called a house of, uh, we have programs here for this and a program for that. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer. Why aren't we praying? God helps. If we want God to send the fire, just like Elijah on Mount Carmel, we're going to have to rebuild the altar. We have to put the wood in order. Read that story. The Bible says Elijah had to rebuild the altar. I believe the church in America needs to rebuild the altar. And then they need to put the wood in order. We have to pour water on the sacrifice because it's still true. The fire will fall when the wood is wet just like it did for Elijah, it will do that today. If we want to see a great turn in America, listen, my concern is with sinners, first off. I love America, but my citizenship's in heaven. But my concern is for sinners. And let me tell you this, if we saw a great revival in this nation right now, you wouldn't have to worry about America because they'd come back. If you bring them to Christ... Things will fix themselves. God will fix it. The weakest Christian on their knees is a threat to hell. Heaven's greatest jewel and hell's greatest dread is if the church ever gets on their knees and begins to earnestly pray and repent. Why? Because from her knees... The church shakes hell. From her knees, she opens heaven. From her knees, she wages war. From her knees, she wrestles souls from Satan. And from her knees, she pulls down strongholds and lays the foundation of the kingdom of God. But it's all born out of being on our knees. That's kind of a metaphor. Because sometimes I just travail in prayer on my easy chair. But the point is not my position. The point is my cry to God. Oftentimes, I feel the need to get on my knees, though. There's nothing like getting on your knees, is there? Did you realize the tendency on these new churches is not to have any of these? I can't imagine having church without altars. We've got to rebuild the altar. Not take it out of the church. The power of God comes on those who pray. Prayerless saints are powerless saints. In fact, the word saint and prayerless shouldn't even really be used in the same sentence because you can't be a true saint of God without prayer. That's just a fact. It was a, a 120 waited and prayed in the upper room, and they opened up heaven, and fire fell upon each head. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and power and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Now, I didn't make that up. It's in Acts 2. Just read it for yourself. Every head got a flame, the Bible says, cloven fire. Listen, it wasn't just the ones that were in front of the room. Let me say it again. It wasn't just the ones that were right up here close to the front. The Bible says every head got a flame. Oh, God's in the fire. That's personal Pentecost. You see, they didn't have to sit there and all those 120. You, you, do you know that some had left, right? There were other people that were gathered up there tarrying to see what was fixing to happen. Because they didn't know. They would never seen the Holy Ghost in action before. wonder what they felt when that, that fire came down from heaven and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance wonder what they thought about that you know what i think i think they didn't think about it they just enjoyed the presence of the lord do you think they oh we we can't do that We'll, we'll embarrass ourselves i don't think that was a consideration at all do you you see because when the fire of god falls from heaven you don't care if your makeup starts running Because you're crying. You don't care if your hair gets out of place. You don't care that you might look crazy to somebody that don't know what's going on. Because you've got the fire of God. What's more important than that? Every head got a flame. This is personal Pentecost, and personal power, and it comes through personal prayer. Prayer is the key to heaven's treasure house. Well, the Bible says if I give a dollar, it'll be multiplied a hundred times. Looking in the wrong place. You're thinking about the wrong thing. All the resources of heaven wait for the demand of prayer. Let me say that again. The resources of heaven wait for the demand of prayer. What do you mean, preacher? You can't direct God. No, you can't direct God, but you can pray to God. And you can pray God's word. Matthew 7, 7. These are all things Jesus said, by the way. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. John 14, 13, whatever ye shall ask in my name, that I will do. Mark eleven twenty four. 24, whatsoever things ye desire when you pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. John, James 4, 2 says, you have not because you ask not. Listen, if you want something, you need to spend some time in prayer. Well, God knows I want to see my kids saved. Really? He wants to see how bad you want him saved. He wants you to talk to him. What's prayer? I don't know how to pray, preacher. Do you know how to talk? I know most all of y'all here and I know that most all of y'all know how to talk. Matter of fact, some of y'all talk too much. I'm just saying. I'm just trying to be honest up here at the pulpit? That's it. I'm probably one of the ones that talks too much. Man, I probably do. Listen, the power of prayer is unlimited because prayer accesses the unlimited power of God. Let me say that again. The power of prayer is unlimited because prayer accesses the unlimited power of God. Prayer is our access to unlimited power. Is God limited by anything? No. So when we pray, we have access to that power. By prayer, Elijah shut up the heavens for three and a half years. And then how did he stop the drought? By prayer. Read it. He prayed and, and, it, and it caused a drought and wouldn't rain for three and a half years. And then when it was time for it to rain, he wanted it to rain. He didn't just say, okay, God. The Bible says he went to prayer. Let me show you what it says. James five seventeen. Elias, that's Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are. See, what the Bible wants us to understand is all these great Bible figures that are in the Bible, historic figures and fathers of the faith, they were just people like you and me. Well, Pastor, I could never... Listen. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And God gave me a word a few years ago, and I, I didn't walk in that calling And now God has reaffirmed it this past week. He said, it's time for you to walk in the calling that I called you to. And he told me this. He said, when you do it, I want you to say, thus saith the Lord. He was a man subject to like passions as we are. By the way, I'm the last person in the world that should have any kind of office in the kingdom. That's another thing I struggle with. I pray and I travail in prayer. I'm like, God, do you know who you're dealing with? I'm just going to share this with him, Rhonda. I'm sorry. But he told me, he said, I knew you while you were being formed in the womb, and I had your days planned out. He said, now, sometimes you went against my plan, but I have your days numbered and planned. And let me tell you something, he's got that for every one of you, the same thing. We need to quit fighting his plan, don't we? He was a man subject to passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by a space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth their fruit. Look, it's time for people of God, children of God, to pray earnestly. To pray earnestly. Oh, my kids and my grandkids. we'll pray. In the book of Revelation, chapter 8, there's an angel at the altar with a golden censer filled with incense and the Bible says it's mixed with the prayers of the saints. I'm telling you, when you say a prayer, it goes somewhere. It's not just... I know you say a prayer and you get up and walk away, but when you've said a prayer, it's there. The angel Bible says the angel took fire from off the altar and mixed it with the prayers of the saints and he cast it into the earth and there were voices and thunderings and lightnings. You know... These prayers are all being stored. You say, preacher, I've been praying for something and I've not seen nothing happen. Well, let me tell you something. Them prayers are somewhere. Don't quit praying because you don't see something happening. There's a lot of things that you don't see happening that's happening. You have not because you ask not. It's a revelation of the power of prayer, how God takes the prayers of the saints and He uses them to manifest His power on the earth. In other words, God's power in the earth is manifested in proportion to the prayers of the saints. How important is your prayer? Obviously, it's a lot important. Everything starts with prayer. Listen, we may preach, we may run, and we may jump and shout and dance and talk in tongues. But as far as advancing the kingdom of God is concerned, we haven't done a thing unless we have prayed. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and they sang praises unto God. And God shook the prison off its foundation, knocked the door off the hinges, and loosed every prisoner there. We need to pray like Paul and Silas until we knock this town off its hinges and we loose every sinner from the prison that they're in. A great shaking that's coming, by the way. That's the power of prayer. Elijah rebuilt the altar of prayer. The greatest fear the devil has is that the church will rebuild the altar of prayer. Matter of fact, the devil's so afraid of it, he's taking altars out. We can talk about how bad and how wicked and how evil the world is. We can cry about how worldly the church has become, but nothing's going to change until we pray got to pray. Have you prayed about it as much as you've talked about it? Y'all can get quiet on me. I know this is hard preaching this morning, but let me tell you something. You heard that David Wilkerson, that spoke to me. It still spoke to me. I've heard it several times. And I weep when I hear it. Because it speaks to me. There's people that are dying and going to hell. Don't we care enough to pray enough? We used to understand that prayer was warfare. We used to call up people praying saints, prayer warriors. Y'all remember that term? You hardly hear it anymore. Or if you do, it's just tossed around flippantly and it doesn't really mean anything. Oh, you're a prayer warrior. I see people on Facebook talking about somebody being a prayer warrior. Same person got pictures of them partying and drinking and smoking and who else knows what. But they're a prayer warrior. Who may approach the hill of God? Those with clean hands. We used to have prayer warriors, and I believe that there's only one way to revival, and when I'm talking about revival, I'm not talking about an actual, oh, let's have church for an extra three days next week. I'm talking about a revival of our nation, a a revival of our spirits. There's only one hope for America and one hope for the church. It's not a different president or a politician or new legislation. There's no Republican Party, Democrat Party, or Tea Party that can turn this country around. Our only hope is in God. We need to put God back in our homes. We need to put God back in our schools. We need to let God back in the White House. And we really need to let God back in the church house. The only way to get God back in our lives is prayer. Where are the prayer warriors? Where are the people willing to spend time on their knees in deep prayer? Where are the people willing to travail? When we have a personal prayer revival, we will have personal power. When we have that, we'll get that. Jesus said, greater things are you going to do when I leave than what you've seen me do. You know why we don't see it? Is Jesus, did he lie? Did Jesus lie? Jesus was raising people from the dead and healing people. Why don't we see it? He said it. We don't pray enough. These things come about by prayer and fasting. I'm pretty sure none of us fast enough. Here's the deal. I've committed myself to, to travail in prayer for at least 15 minutes a day. And you know I, I, I know, I don't limit it to 15 minutes, but I set my clock, my timer on my cell phone. And I set it for 15 minutes. You know why I set it? Because I want to make sure I pray for at least 15 minutes. And I set it. And I turn on some Christian music. And then I repent for America. And repent for myself. I pray for our kids. I pray for our church. And then I ask God to speak to me. And he does. Just let me tell you. It's not because I'm special. Or I'm any more favored than you are. You can have the same thing if you're willing to spend the time in prayer. Look, I'm not talking about like that moment when you pop your eyes open in the morning and say, oh, thank you, Lord, for this day. Bless me today. I'm not talking about that prayer. I'm talking about a deep prayer where you get in there and you get spiritual and you cry out. And like Romans 8, you moan Because you're in such travail. Listen, I have felt it now like I've never felt it before. I don't want to say this like this, but when Jesus died on the cross, the moment before he died, don't forget that he felt every sin. He felt every sin. And that was a new thing for him because he never sinned. But he had to take upon himself the sin of the world. So he felt them all. When I travail in prayer for the sinners, I feel something. There's something going on, and it it brings me sorrow. I don't know how else to say it. It, it, Well, you say, preacher, you shouldn't do that if you're sorrowful. Listen, it brings me sorrow. I feel they're lost and dying souls, and it makes me very sad. Yes, it does. But those are the times that God chooses to speak to me and speak into me. I'm just telling you, Christians, we need to pray more. I know it's late. This is an important topic, though. I don't know your prayer life. You do. And God does. But if you're burdened for your loved ones... And the unsaved, then devote some prayer time to each day to spend with God and see what begins to happen. This morning, I'm not going to have an altar call, but what I'm going to do is open these altars for you to come and pray. You know what the needs are in your life. Sometimes God gives me some knowledge about y'all, but I won't tell you all the time. You just had to guess. But you know, you know your situation and what time you spend in prayer with God. Let me tell you something. If you love the Lord, you'll spend time with him. If you love the Lord, you'll spend time with him. If you don't love him, you won't spend that much time with him. We make time for what's important to us, don't we? If it's really important to you, if Jesus is really important, you're going to make time for him. So I'm going to ask you this morning to just come and pray. And I'm going to ask you this, too, let me, before I get off of this. Before we've had prayer up here and not many was showing up. If y'all want to do that again, we're, we're willing to do it on Tuesday night. If y'all express an interest in it, we'll come up here and do it. If nobody's going to be up here with us while we do it, we're just going to do it at home. But if you're willing to come up and pray on Tuesday nights, let us know. And we'll come up here and we'll open this church and we'll put on some music and we'll lay up here at these altars. I don't know if y'all seen me pray like it. I usually lay down in the middle of the floor get up and walk, whatever. Sometimes I go bow at the foot of that cross. It's Not special, but it's special to me to do that. But if you're willing to do it, let, let us know. Because if not, we're just going to do it at home. Decatur's a fur piece. Amen? So, can we come? Alex, would you put some music on?